Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Welcome to the Kent Online podcast on Monday, July the 6th. Well, we start today with reaction to funding announced for the arts and entertainment industry to help them survive the pandemic. Theatres, museums and music venues are being given £1.5 billion, which they'll be able to access as government loans and grants. It follows weeks of warnings about the future of performance venues. Well, Ollie has been chatting to Mark David, who is co-owner of the Forum in Tunbridge Wells and the CEO of the Music Venue Trust. It is exactly um, the first step of the plan to recovery for music venues that we asked for. Uh, a clear package of financial support because we know they cannot open at the moment. There's a lot of work to be done on this to ensure that it actually reaches grassroots music venues, um, which is the plan from government and very clearly announced in that. We're, we're very happy that they announced it so clearly. Um, and we're pleased to see both the Chancellor and the Prime Minister specifically referring to the kind of music venues that we're talking about in their statements about who they're going to be supporting. So that's all very good news. Two more stages of the plan still to go, though. We do need a VAT cut in this sector in order for the sector to be able to recover itself. And then we will need further science, further action for Public Health England on an actual plan that gets every venue reopened. Because I suppose the concern is, is that you announce that large, the large amount of funding and it's a lot of money. But you, you, I guess there's a concern that certain grassroots venues will just slip through the cracks and the fact that the, it's it's actually the funding's been announced so much later than other European countries have announced it that there's already potential issues with paying rent overheads and everything else that actually there's already so much of deficit for these venues that it's going to be difficult for them to bounce back well we've been very clear with government but that probably what we needed is some interim help in the period between the announcement and when actually the funds start to flow and that's been well received by DCMS and it's been well received by the government. I think there's a full understanding that quarterly rent became due on the 1st of July, and we are dealing with a large number of venues now that may, you know, without additional help, may not make it, frankly, to the point at which this distributed. But I, I don't think we should detract from it. This is a major intervention into culture. It would have been great if it was slightly earlier, of course, but, you know, we've got there in the end. We've got the kind of package that we need. We've got it very clearly stated that it's going to help grassroots music venues, and that's, that's what we needed. And we have obviously a number of grassroots music venues in Kent itself. So people like the, the Ramsgate Music Hall elsewhere in Margate, you know, these are venues that, to the Tunbridge Wells Forum as well, these are venues that hopefully will be able to now start back up again soon with the help of the government. Yeah, I mean, the, the very important thing is to just understand, everybody who's listening should understand that the, the point is that current public health in England advice is that venues should not be open and live music events should not really be taking place, certainly inside, but at the moment really everywhere. And I, what we need is a period of calm, frankly, which is what this money provides in order for the venues, the government, Public Health England to work out a way to safely reopen live music. And we've been working on that literally for three months now. Um, we've got a new scientific study going right now, which is being brought together by the live music industry. Um, there's a lot of things that we haven't yet explored and there's a lot of ways we could do this, but it's very important to us that what comes back looks like live music. And we're delighted that some artists and producers and promoters have managed to get alternative ideas. 
but it's not the same as standing next to somebody in your local grassroots music venue, hearing a band for the first time, you know, no amounts of drive-ins or socially distanced arenas or anything else like that is going to bring back what everybody in this country loves, which is a raw live music experience. But is there, is there a timeline on that? Do we, do we, I mean, you're, you're right in the centre of this, working with venues across the country and working with scientists, as you say. Do we, is there a light at the end of the tunnel for live music? Because, because that, that does seem like a world away right now. Um, I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think it's very easy to get stuck in the middle of this and not realise how fast things have changed. You know, people were, quick, people were gloomily predicting that nothing would reopen this year. Well, pubs and bars reopened on Saturday, you know, and I think it's a fast-changing picture needs to be very flexible in the approach. But certainly what I would say is that these venues particularly are so connected to their communities. They're so important to their communities of artists, to their audiences. They're not just music venues. They're gathering spaces for communities. We're not going to be able to, we're not going to throw that away, you know, but I, I think it's very important to recognize what the experience is. And that's where we've got to get to my prediction. I think you'll see live music in these venues, hopefully this side of Christmas, but when you see it, it'll be it's because it's safe because because the co- the venue is confident that it's able to protect the health of the people who are going to it they're not going to do it before that there's also been reaction from kent's biggest theater the marlow in canterbury chief exec deborah shaw says they're hugely delighted and mightily relieved by the announcement but admit enormous challenges remain. I'm sure one thing a lot of families will be wondering is if they'll be able to go to a pantomime in one of those theatres in Kent this Christmas. Well, our senior features writer Angela Cole has been finding out. Angela, what have they been saying? I'm very pleased to report that um, it was universally a sort of upbeat response um, because obviously some of there have been like three theatres across the country that have cancelled their pantomime. So I was a little bit nervous actually about contacting them in case any of them said, well, actually, you know, but um, they they really were all pretty upbeat, although obviously they're all waiting, uh, waiting until live performance um, is um, is allowed again um, at uh, the Hazlitt Theatre. Um, they've said um, there remains the desire to stage a pantomime, and we've been working in the background on the production elements. So they're they're very much hoping that they they can continue, although they're waiting to get back into the venue. Um, at the Marlowe Theatre, which obviously has a you know a huge following and um, award winning pantomime with Evolution Productions, um, they've said you know we all need something to look forward to at the moment, and um, they're working with Evolution, doing all they can to make sure that Jack and the Beanstalk goes ahead. So fingers crossed there. Um, I also spoke to Kudos Pantomimes. They do um, the one at the Orchard Theatre in Dartford, as well as the uh, Churchill Theatre in Bromley. And of course, Dartford's the one that's got panto legend Christopher Biggins, hopefully. Um, and um, they've even managed to retain their sense of humour um, through it all because they've said, um, and I just love this, uh, we're eagerly awaiting further information from the government to enable theatres to plan to reopen safely, allowing us all to live happily ever after without having to resort to the use of magic beans. <laughs> so uh, so they're clearly staying very upbeat. So I've also heard from the EM Forster Theatre in Tunbridge. They're also keeping their fingers crossed, although they say very um, intriguingly they have an alternative plan but they wouldn't tell me what that is yet Um, and um, I've heard from Gravesend as well and they've said they've just made no decisions yet so it is 
all looking, fingers crossed, touch wood, everything else you can think of, um, very much as though everyone's working towards it continuing. So fingers crossed on the pantomime front. Kent Online News. Some other top stories now and tributes are being paid to a 26-year-old Medway teacher who died in a car crash. Sam Rooks was driving on Maidstone Road in Rochester when he collided with another car on Friday. The Victory Academy in Chatham has been closed today. A teenage girl's died after a car came off a road near Ashford and hit a tree. The 17-year-old, who's been named on social media as Millie Greenway, was a passenger in a vehicle when it happened on Saturday. Three other teenagers are in a serious but stable condition in hospital. A 19-year-old man from Ashford and 17-year-old girl from Maidstone have been arrested. A 17-year-old boy's been arrested meantime after a 4x4 crashed into a pub near Ashford just hours before it was due to reopen. A huge hole was left in the wall of the Swan Inn in Little Chart. It's understood the building is now structurally unsound. Kent Search and Rescue say they can't believe the sheer stupidity of a man who jumped into the River Medway twice while drunk. They tried to help him in Maidstone on Saturday night after pubs reopened for the first time in more than three months. Next today, a Kent beauty salon owner has accused male MPs of not understanding the industry as they wait to find out when they can reopen. While hairdressers resumed trading at the weekend, those offering other beauty treatments can't. Boris Johnson's been criticised for suggesting during Prime Minister's questions last week that salons can't open in a Covid-secure way. Kimberly Smith runs Pureneek in Hawkehurst. Sanitisation is second nature to the beauty industry and it's part of our basic training before Covid-19. Um, so actually, we should have been ahead of some of the other businesses because that is that is part of our... Um, part of our business as a core so um, yes we're definitely ready to open and um, we just want a date that's what we want Um, whether they're able to stick to it or not I think a reasonable um, date would be two weeks from the fourth um, to reevaluate, see how the businesses that have currently been able to reopen are doing and obviously the rate of infection is the most important thing um, and and then be able to review us on that date with potentially, if things are looking good, reopen the following week. I don't think that's unreasonable at all but the fact that they're saying they're not even going to review it till the end of the month um, is... is as an industry, we want, we feel like we're being ignored and disregarded. Um, and there's a lot of talk because it's predominantly a women, um, you know, it's predominantly a women industry, which isn't great, is it? <laughs> Considering most of the parliament is full of men. So they haven't got the understanding of the industry to make an informed choice, 100%. Um, a lot of our industry is made up um, with with males ourselves, which are absolutely fantastic um, for us, you know, so we're, you know, male and female industry, but obviously the predominant, um, predominantly in the House of Commons, it's it's males that are maybe of the older generation that don't generally understand what the industry is all about. The fact that they've opened up chiropractors, chiropodists, osteopaths, sports massage therapists, all of them can return to work but we can't. I'd like to know the difference in our massage industry and theirs. 
I can speak on behalf of, I think, the majority of our industry, having have had lots of, you know, having got lots of friends um, with salons and, um, you know, working independently as well. We've all spent this time preparing. We've all done courses on, you know, barbicide courses and COVID-19 courses. Even though we have that knowledge already there as part of our basic training, we've gone above and beyond to make sure that we are completely prepared and safe. And let's not forget that we wear PPE on a daily basis anyway. So obviously we've bought the necessary masks and visors as an addition um, but I myself, you know, I do electrolysis on a daily basis. Um, so I wear a mask generally anyway. So it's not really changed that much for us. So for people in the in the industries that have had to open under these strict guidelines, it's harder for them to get their head around it, harder for them to train their staff, and more likely that they're not going to follow the new procedures because maybe they might forget. Whereas for us, it's our day-to-day -day running. That is what we do every single day. The Archbishop of Canterbury has led the first Sunday service at Canterbury Cathedral since the start of lockdown. There was only room for 200 people yesterday as seats have been laid out to follow social distancing rules. The most expensive charge in Kent for collecting green waste comes into force today. If you live in Canterbury, Whitstable or Herne Bay, it'll now cost £45 a year to have garden rubbish collected. The service has previously been free. We're told 18,000 residents have signed up, but over 58,000 have a green bin. In sport, Kent's Joe Denley and Zach Crawley have both been selected for England's first cricket test against the West Indies. They're in the 13-man squad for the match which starts in Southampton on Wednesday. And a dog's been found tied to railings near Sittingbourne with a note saying he'd not learnt to be good. The Labrador was discovered at Jasmine Kennels and Catterian Upchurch this morning. Swale Council's stray dog service are appealing for information and want to speak to the owner. You can see a picture of him at kentonline.co.uk. Well, that's it for today, but you can also now subscribe to the IM News app to access all KM Group newspapers. Head to iliftmediasubs.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.